0: I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I am also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We have included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part 2 of 2 where we are talking to Annie Amanda about her novels. After today, you will have heard about teaching yourself to read, writing from an early age, taking a long break from writing while learning other arts, knowing that you always must consider learning to improve, accidentally publishing your first book, joining critique groups before being ready, going wide from the beginning, writing what you love, the marketing struggle, finding the books that you love, taking into account your personal strengths when listening to advice. My lucky star. Imagine having a celebrity doppelganger. Now, imagine a hot TV star asking you to impersonate that celebrity to save his career. Failing to make it as an actress, Arya Dunn is back in her hometown of Napier working as a location scout. No more unattainable dreams, just casual clothing and low expectations. Until she finds a Turkish TV star hiding out in the historic hotel she needs for her client. Sem Erkam is desperate for good publicity after a drunken night ends with compromising photos. With his family banking on his success, he hatches a wild plan. A fake relationship with the New Zealand woman who looks like his old co-star. He just needs to keep his hands off her since they have no future. That's what everyone's saying, and they're right. But the more time they spend together, the harder it is to stick to the script. Swept into Istanbul's glitz and glamour, Arya is forced to reevaluate her sensible life plan. Should she give her acting dream one more go? And what is she supposed to do with the Turkish heartthrob and the most unattainable dream of all? My Lucky Star is a story about rediscovering passion when your dreams have failed you. It's also a story of all that is hot and Turkish. Men? Tea? Kebabs? like a dizzy in book form but with a lot more heat escape to new zealand and istanbul with this spicy slow burn rom-com the writing is the easy part it's all of the after stuff so for me the writing of the first draft took like six ish months and then the editing and all of that took an additional like and that was six months of working on it i think like 15 minutes a day for most of that And so that was, like, barely, you know, I'd get, like, maybe 200 words done most of those days. So, like, it wasn't working on it a lot. Um, And then it was, like, two, three months of just, like, editing, just straight editing after that. Um, And now I'm getting into the, oh, no, now I have to start
1: marketing it. (laughs) I know. (laughs) It's often, like, that's when you should be, like, really, like gearing up and getting all your ducks in a row and like having high energy and that's where the part of the process when you're like oh am i not done yet <laughs> yeah. so hard.
0: and now you're like yeah. now i have to be all bubbly and personable for social media so that people <laughs> want to look at my book yeah <laughs>
1: And also have to remember how exactly what happened in the book and like pulling quotes and things out of it. And Mm -hmm. when you like read it right through your own book, good 15 times in the last few months. And it kind of like, it's just hard to go back for me. It's sometimes like I try to do some of it now when I'm editing, I'm like, okay, this is the bit that I really, really love and I want to use this in marketing and I like Mm -hmm. earmark it now. But what I, so I think it's it's really like that's taken me a long time to learn, but I need to do that when I'm editing,
0: mm-hmm. not
1: necessarily when I'm writing. So that's, that would be disruptive, but when I'm editing, right. I can find the little bits and pieces that will be really good for reels and marketing and that kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, I, and if you don't do it, then it is painful to go back and start like trying to pull them out when mm-hmm. you – put the book down for the 15 times like nobody wants to read the same book for 15 times <laughs> and Then, like, not yeah, really. <laughs> time to go dive in for the 16th time to find some marketing material <laughs>
0: I um did not there's a couple lines that like I know in my head I'm like oh there's that one line about you know a war being fought because of her like there's just like these little lines that have like stuck in my head But I have not yet pulled out. I'm kind of waiting for like, and I need to do this before the ebook comes out. But you know on Goodreads when people start like highlighting passages in the ebook.
1: Yeah. And you can actually
0: see like, oh, those are the lines that other humans like. Yeah. (laughs) That's what I've been doing. I will use those.
1: (laughs) That's great. And and some art creators are lovely enough to kind of pull those out and create reels or so something where you can just like oh I'll steal that <laughs> that's good yeah
0: Ooh. i the only thing i did um i haven't asked any if i can like use their stuff but i did like make sure to tell them like hey you know i'd rather you not tag me in negative reviews <laughs> like and they then asked for clarification on did I consider three stars good or bad or whatever and I'm like I think it depends on how you classify your three star reads cuz for me three stars is thing, like, like
1: it's,
0: I read it but I you know may uh, not read it again um are like four and five are going to be like you know I really liked it I'll probably read it again you know I mean everybody has their own rating system that they use so it's like it depends on you if three stars is negative for you
1: because it is like it's it's a different, three stars on Amazon is not the same as three stars on Goodreads. Mm-hmm. Like it's, they have a different definition for three stars. On Amazon, it is a critical review and it pops up as a critical review. And then on good, Goodreads, it's a like, it means I liked it or it's good or something. Like it's it's mm-hmm. not even negative. <laughs> so uh, some reviews I've noticed, they they might give you three stars on Goodreads and four stars on Amazon. Because mm-hmm. those are more aligned. But yeah, it's, uh oh, I, I, I don't like telling people how to rate or what, like, I can, no, I yeah. Don't, I it's, don't, it's don't tell them so how, to I them. just, no, no, no.
0: I did not tell them how to rate. I even specifically told them, like, if you, like, don't with, I've heard a bunch of authors like, oh, don't post a one or two star until, like, it launches a couple weeks or, like, I'm like, no, you post whatever you review. You feel comfortable posting? If you feel comfortable posting the review, just don't tag me in negative mm. reviews. So I'm like, I think you can okay post to it. Ask
1: people to wait a couple of weeks with their like, you know, one star review or whatever. It's not that's not unreasonable, but it's if it's going to come out eventually anyway. I I kind of yeah. see it as a long term game. And it's well, like it two, also kind two of weeks, like for me, that's not like my sales will come it'll they will trickle through they will
0: mm-hmm. it's just
1: up to how much marketing promotion i do that's kind of like it's this up, up and down thing i don't mm-hmm. get like a i don't sell a million copies in that first 2 weeks anyway so right. it's like that doesn't really for me doesn't make a huge difference whether that negative review gets posted within that 2 week period or one week after or something right. it's like,
0: Well, the thing for me is like, it looks, um, so say you put, if you put a book out there and you only get five star reviews, like you have nothing but five star, it looks like you are spamming or you are having all of your friends post the reviews or you're paying for reviews. Like it looks bad if all you have is only five star reviews. So like, my thing, and this is because I've talked to so many authors at this point and watched a whole lot of authors on TikTok is like, um, you know, if you are going to put your book out there into the world, you have to know that like some people aren't going to like your book and you have to mm. kind of be okay with that. And if you're not going to be okay with that, maybe you shouldn't put your book out there into the world. So yeah, yeah. it's, you know, everything is, and I, I tried to set because, I was gathering my arc team and sending out my arcs right around two of the biggest arc controversy things that have happened on TikTok in recent days. <laughs> and so oh, I is wanted there
1: something new happening. Um, I think I missed. missed.
0: I mean, it's. Uh... I mean, it's the same stuff that happens every time, but it just so happened like as soon as I was starting to build my arc team, big controversy (laughs) happened. As soon as I'm sending my arcs out, big controversy happened, and I'm just like, "Oh my gosh, you have to be kidding me!"
1: (laughs) So I I feel like
0: I'm like, I just want to like. like... Uh, and it was mainly, like, everything that I say, I'm like, I just want to, like, let you guys know, like, I'm not going to come after you, I'm not going to attack you, I'm not going to post any videos about any reviews unless you want me to, <laughs> like, you post whatever you're comfortable posting, and there was, like, something about um, authors not picking ARC readers who had previously rated books one or two stars before, or whatever, so, I'm like, at the end of the day, some authors are crazy, And uh, I wanted my team as comfortable as they could be to know that like they were in a safe space to leave whatever review they wanted to. And also I understood if they didn't want to leave a negative review because they didn't want another author to not pick them because of that negative review or whatever.
1: No, it's a complex issue, isn't it? Um, That's That's a whole lot
0: of I don't understand how some of these authors have the time to pick reviewers based off like their social media following and what reviews they've left previously and all these things I'm like I don't have the time to look at all these people's social media accounts to figure all this out <laughs> I, I I've take done the that stance before. of I
1: just like send it to everyone even though they think that yeah. there's some sort of selection process but I am um, like I just uh I just accepted everyone because I was not have time
0: <laughs> like And I did the same thing. I accepted every... Now, beta readers, I'll be more selective when I'm doing that again. Um, But as far as, like, the first people I did, I asked them for references, and I checked in with their references, and I had one that had never done it before, so no references. Um, But for, yeah, ARC readers, I'm like, why would you want to limit the quantity of people that are possibly going to love your book and tell everybody about your book? (laughs) So (laughs) that's kind of my I thinking I'm on kind it of
1: going like um I, I write certain kind of books and if if you rated my last two books one or two stars it's like why are you even applying for this new one like what yeah I I don't fully understand the logic behind it because there's like thousands of authors and books that you could be like <laughs> applying for yeah
0: <laughs> that would be a little bit weird I don't I don't I, don't know, I, I would it. I would also question why are you still I mean I, I've left it up to I'm like, <laughs> like I understand if, if you want to unsubscribe
1: <laughs> yeah
0: yeah and I've I've left you know I let them know that at the beginning too like if you don't like it and you want to unsubscribe that's totally fine yeah
1: exactly I tell them like you can just move on and find other books and authors to follow and it's yeah you don't have to stick around it's, there's no <laughs> obligation because I, I gave you a free book it's like that's fine let's just both move on if you don't like it that's totally valid totally fine just you know read something else like Mm -hmm. I really hope everybody finds the books that they really really love and are excited Mm -hmm. about And because reading it is so much more enjoyable if the book is good and if it gels like oh this is for me like this is written for me this is so good you want people to find those books Mm-hmm. This is where I really hope that AI will help us in the future. I don't know how, but there's, there's got to be better ways to find the things that you might actually enjoy. Mm-hmm. Like algorithms right now are so shit like this. We need something <laughs> that really guides us <laughs> yes. to those like hidden gems. Because they, if there are a million books published every year or something like that it's a lot (laughs) how am I gonna find like there's gonna be something that's just perfect for me Mm -hmm. that I'm never finding and uh uh, that's why I'm like why would you hang around in some arc team if you (laughs) don't like anything it's (laughs) like really there's no point life is way too short to move on it's funny you
0: said that though that's the same thing that I comment on people that will like negatively review podcasts (laughs) or my narrating because um, occasionally I've had I have a, a fiction podcast that's like classic novel audiobooks and people will comment on my social media posts talking about how awful I am or how boring I am or how whatever. And my comment yeah. is quite literally always, isn't it great that there are so many narrators in the world and you can go find one that you like? <laughs> and I don't add and leave me alone, but it is implied <laughs>
1: I know there's something for everybody and that's the the real beauty of the situation where we are in right now and like the rise of self-publishing and all that like we don't have the gatekeepers we have all this content we just need better tools to find the content I Mm -hmm. I give you that but still like it's it's out there so there's no reason for you to hang around if you're not enjoying yourself for any content it's just yeah I hope you're ludicrous It's like I can only imagine that they maybe you liked something the author wrote earlier and now you're like waiting book after book. It's like Mm -hmm. maybe they'll write something similar again in the future. Yeah. There there might be some some of that. Who knows? But there's a lot of things that I know that I don't enjoy. From the first try, I can tell, okay, I don't enjoy this. I can just move on. It's Mm -hmm. so simple. Like there's the – who's the – really, really popular audio narrator who just the male voices in this weird way. I just I can't listen to it. Like I don't know if something about it doesn't work for me. Like <laughs> that could the way- describe me. I
0: mean <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm really popular, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm pretty to was like you cuz it was one of those like really big names that someone recommended <laughs> and so that you should really try but I'm not really an audiobook person like I don't I listen to non-fiction but the fiction I yeah I, I it's just something to do with my brain like I I feel like it's always either too slow or too fast or um. I'm like I think my pacing the way that I read and my pacing doesn't match up with Listening to audio, like I I would have to like constantly slow down or speed up, or I would want to jump back and reread something. I reread a lot of stuff because I'm like, oh, cool sentence. How did it go? And it, <laughs> like, <laughs> what was that again? <laughs> so I can't do that. It's really difficult to do an audio. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, you have to be like really like navigating it and constantly. And yeah, for me, that like doing their male voice where they like drop their voice and talk like this as a male I, it just throws me every time I'm like I I, I like miss what they're saying because I'm like oh weird voice <laughs> that is how I do it <laughs> I have a lot of heard people do, and I know they're super popular and I that's what I'm saying like there's nothing wrong with it it seems to work on a large scale <laughs> right so, just because it didn't work for me and my brain doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. <laughs> right. like, I can tell that it works. And I would even hire someone to do my books that way mm-hmm. if there's like there's enough evidence that it works for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I can't judge that based on my own personal experience right? as someone who doesn't really listen to audiobooks, who, who struggles with taking things in, in that format. So... Mm-hmm. I would just rely on the evidence of like, okay, that works. Lots of people seem to love it. Uh-huh. I would just go for the for that. Like there's, there's evidence that's works. I would produce my, well, right now I don't have the budget to do a lot of audio, <laughs> but I would love to do that. And I wouldn't mind at all. Like, I think it would be a better choice to be honest than trying to hire like audio and especially when I need like very specific accents and voices, uh-huh. it's would be really really difficult to find someone who you know to do my turkish character who's got a turkish accent it's like uh-huh. how <laughs> i don't even know where to start like yeah be really, really hard to find the talent so i think it's it's a good kind of workaround of uh say a female narrator reads both and then just drops their voice, and you know mm-hmm. that it's not supposed to be but Then they're, they're not. They don't like magically turn into a Turkish male. <laughs> so you kind of go like, okay, I understand. They're just reading the lines, and it's yeah. kind of like I think it's an. It's like a workaround for for that awkward situation. you <laughs> can't now, find the have... actually sound right.
0: I have heard from like authors that um, there's one I recently narrated for, and most of her books, she's had male. Narrators, and she had. I did. I, I think I might be her only female narrator, or there's like maybe one other one. But she was like having had mostly male narrators. That the male is trying to do the female voices. She's like, I much prefer you dropping your <laughs> voice for the male voices than how the males raise their oh, voice.
1: For oh, the okay. female- <laughs> that would be even harder. I, I could- imagine that being way harder (laughs)
0: so i'm like i will i'm also um sometimes um some authors i talk back and forth with as i'm narrating their book and getting it ready and all these things Um, but me and her it's been way more conversation back and forth than i usually have And so she kept mentioning, like, you know, my previous narrator, my previous narrator, blah, 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 blah. She had, like, two guys that did the bulk of her audiobooks so far. And so I go and I listen, like, out of curiosity. How do they perform the audiobook versus how I know I'm going to be doing it, which is going to be not over the top, but more performance than just reading the lines. Um, And so she was... (laughs) She kept saying, I can't stand to listen to my audiobooks. I cringe as I listen to my audiobooks over and over and over again. She told me these things. And then she listens to mine, and she's like, I didn't cringe. It's the first time I haven't cringed. But God, my characters are really toxic. (laughs) The, The relationship between them. And I was like... I performed
1: the toxicness as best I could. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'd highlight certain things. And that's what I'm yeah, worried about. One day I'll do an audio Like, okay, that's what, that's what it sounds like. It's not just the voice, but it's like, those are the words I wrote. <laughs> yeah. I actually had somebody, somebody offered to do a little clip, like read a little clip from my last book. Uh-huh. on TikTok and she's um she was uh, she did it really well and she, it was like it didn't bother me at all I put that up on my website so you can listen to that little clip even though I don't have any other audio and it it works for me like I think she's there's a lot of performance in it and um it's a little slow like I for me obviously I I know how it goes so I'm like okay uh-huh. <laughs> But I think it works like that sort of pacing probably works for a lot of people who don't, who are hearing it for the first time and Mm -hmm. not familiar with the material. I think that's another thing with like the author listening to it. I know what's happening. (laughs) Yeah. I know what's happening to say, you know, just let's go, let's go. Like (laughs) People actually need time to take it in because it's all Mm -hmm. new for someone else. Well, I've heard,
0: um, from i i do not necessarily follow this rule but i heard from one audiobook narrator that the reason that most of them talk so slow is because like for elderly people it might take them longer to process it than like a younger person where a younger person's probably just going to speed it up on their app to listen to it faster i narrate at a normal speed of speech (laughs) so i can't imagine any um older people listening to my audio that may need a slower audio um i talk i mean slightly slower when i'm narrating than i talk normally but as you get to like action scenes i speed up how i'm talking um i don't know it's it's like authors and styles of writing and people liking it there are narrators that narrate some ways and narrate narrators that narrate other ways and one
1: person it's a really interesting challenge isn't it because it's like a mix between acting and and this sort of um technical performance that's just getting it right like Uh not messing up the words and like all that i i yeah i have huge respect for people who can do it it's it is really like especially when it comes to I think the the acting part of things like keeping that performance consistent for such a long time like you have uh-huh. the same person that we're following and they have the certain cadence and maybe somebody um, one of them has these like wordy rants or talks a little like you you can tell from the dialogue that some things should be a little bit faster like people are rambling and talking fast uh-huh. and you kind of have to adjust to that as well like you it's not like AI would just read it. It's like, you know, they read it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, really and it kills all stays at
0: the same pace yeah, the whole It really
1: time. kills it if it's something that's like a rambly, rambly rant. Yeah. It's like, I oh, can't do it like that. That's horrible. It's or insane. you get
0: to the end of the line and it says, he whispered and you got to go back and do it again.
1: <laughs> whispered tone. <laughs> yeah. uh, that must be a killer.
0: I the uh, amount of times I have done like gotten to the end of a line and been like he's you know he said irritated oh <laughs> let me
1: go back <laughs> do it again <laughs> uh, or those like dialogue texts that aren't really dialogue texts <laughs> they're trying to understand how this how someone's even like biting it back or <laughs> doing some, some yeah other thing. with What's his mouth talking, full uh, I don't know how that sounds
0: <laughs> you see. kind of
1: accept it you're reading it yeah. on page and like yeah okay but you, <laughs> if someone has to perform it like how do you think that in a way that,
0: yeah let's well. see my challenge this last week there was two characters talking with their mouths full so how do you kind of oh. talk like this <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird I did not have anything in my mouth. I just kind of like garbled my speech. But I've also had, like, you know, a character that's drunk and you have to slur
1: your speech. (laughs) Oh.
0: It's, I mean, no different than, you know, you did the film
1: stuff. It's really hard. Yes. It's like drunk people are pretending to be sober, so you are acting against that <laughs> yeah. drunkenness. So it's like a, the hardest. So a
0: sober person trying to act like you're drunk, trying to act like you're sober. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a
1: challenge.
0: It's uh, you know, everything is everything is new, <laughs> every day. <laughs> you gotta figure something out. So, what is the best piece of advice and worst piece of advice you've ever gotten
1: wow um
0: answer in whichever order you want
1: <laughs> I think yeah well, I've recently kind of realized that a lot of the advice that we get given as indie authors is based on this um sort of rapid release model or mm-hmm. um, certain kind of approach to publishing that. If you look at like Mark Dawson and uh, self-publishing platforms like it's it's all valid advice, but it doesn't take into account your personal kind of you know strengths and you your um, the way you're wired, I think, it doesn't take uh-huh. into account what's what comes naturally to you and what doesn't. Uh-huh. And how it doesn't like help you lean into your strengths. And I think that's that's often the problem, like it's good advice, but it it only works on so many people and not uh-huh. everybody right. And there's a lot of advice like that that I've heard that' it's like, yes, it works. And I'm not saying that it doesn't because there's evidence that it works for some people. and um there are people who can just focus on the publishing and that like doing it on a rabbit schedule and 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 doing lots of advertising and pushing and pushing in that way and being becoming like staying relevant on on Amazon and and staying on top of things and but it's it's only one of the ways and i think that's something i'm slowly starting to kind of grasp is that there's so many different paths to success uh-huh. that you have to be wary of anyone selling that one way and uh-huh. saying hey this is how it works this is where you should be this is the social media platform you should be on this is how you should be doing it there's so many ways you can do it uh-huh. and it's for, for me it's way more important that I find ways that I can do my marketing so that it's not taxing me and not taking away the joy of writing and all uh-huh. the other things that I'm want to focus on and and it's still successful and it doesn't have to be as successful as it is for some people who are capable of following that rapid release or other sort of more aggressive kind of let's take over the market kind of strategies Uh Um, it doesn't have to be it can be long term it can be slow growth and i'm okay with that I want mm-hmm. to think like 10 years ahead and just build a life that I actually enjoy living.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's way, way more important than, than looking at my sales figures and, and like hyper-focusing on what's happening this month or even this quarter. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, uh, am I, am I signing up for things that I will enjoy in the long run? Am I like going, um, taking those steps, those little steps towards like, having a sustainable career that is for me is a mix of doing cover design and and then doing some writing on the side. And I love both and I love doing design work and I love running my own business in there. So I kind of I I want to keep it all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I I have to forge my own path in there. And I think the best advice I've had very recently is just listening to one of the podcasts. What was it? I can't remember. Might have been I mean, the Ally The ally podcast is really good and they've got, they had somebody on talking about this. Um, there was a whole lot of talk about different landscapes, like are you a tundra or are you a desert? Or are you... So, <laughs> okay. It was like a, like a whole personality test based on different landscapes. It was like, so I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm a forest or, <laughs> but it was a, um, it was a, so I was kind of like giggling about that stuff, but there was a, there was the whole idea of we are so different mm-hmm. that different approaches work for different people, and you have to find your own path, and it's the only way. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that stuck with me, and I don't really care if I'm the swamp plants or whatever I am in the audience, <laughs> but it, I need, really need to like distrust that um going with my guts and kind of this is what I enjoy doing and I don't like doing like complicated reels with graphics and things like that because that's too Mm -hmm. much like work for me I do graphic design so I don't want to be doing that day and night for my books right I I find it way easier to just pick up my phone and do a five minute TikTok talking about something and post Mm -hmm. it like I don't even do a second take I just post
0: <laughs> yeah I'm, the, I'm like <laughs> I, I, I vlog but on TikTok <laughs> like,
1: that's, yeah exactly it's yeah. like a personal diary kind of thing but it helps you connect with the community you find mm-hmm. people who uh who connect with what you're saying and you can create some conversation and you kind of it's almost like checking in with yourself that like oh I'll do a little personal kind of update of like this is what I'm thinking right now this is what I, what's on my mind uh-huh. and that's that's I find that's really fast and easy and comes naturally and I know for a lot of people it doesn't come naturally and uh-huh. you shouldn't force yourself into it that doesn't like that's that's a, again like against how you're wired and what's what's natural and what, are, what your strengths are and I think we really need to when it comes to long-term marketing and anything like that we need to lean on our own strengths and what's what feels natural and uh-huh. what we really like how we want to spend our time because it's whatever the action is you might be able to do it once but can you keep it up for for weeks and weeks and months uh-huh. and months Like, yeah you shouldn't pick up anything that you can't Carry on with for long mm-hmm. term because usually the benefits will come in the long term. So, mm-hmm.
0: the thing you're able to sustain not enough,
1: hardly any instant hits anywhere. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, you have a good rest of your day, and I'm going to get some air conditioning Ooh. and get Monday's episode oh. ready. So,
1: <laughs> enjoy. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
0: Any liked detective stories and mysteries as she got older. Today we'll be reading the first chapter of A Study in Scarlet. A Study in Scarlet Chapter 1. Mr. Sherlock Holmes In the year 1878, I took my degree of doctor of medicine of the University of London and proceeded to Netley to go through the course prescribed for surgeons in the army. Having completed my studies there, I was duly attached to the 5th Northumberland Fusiliers as assistant surgeon. The regiment was stationed in India at the time, and before I could join it, the Second Afghan War had broken out. On landing at Bombay, I learned that my corps had advanced through the passes and was already deep in the enemy's country. I followed, however, with many other officers who were in the same situation as myself and succeeded in reaching Kandahar in safety, where I found my regiment and at once entered upon my new duties. The campaign brought honors and promotion to many, but for me it had nothing but misfortune and disaster. I was removed from my brigade and attacked to the Berkshires, with whom I served at the fatal battle of Maiwand. There I was struck on the soldier by a Jezel bullet, which shattered the bone and grazed the subclavian artery. I should have fallen into the hands of the murderous Ghazis, had it not been for the devotion and courage shown by Murray, my orderly who threw me across a pack horse and succeeded in bringing me safely to the British lines. Worn with pain and weak from the prolonged hardships which I had undergone, I was removed, with a great train of wounded sufferers, to the base hospital at Peshawar. Here I rallied, and had already improved so far as to be able to walk about the wards, and even to bask a little upon the veranda, when I was struck down by enteric fever, that curse of our Indian possessions. For months my life was despaired of, and when at last I came to myself and became convalescent, I was so weak and emaciated that a medical board determined that not a day should be lost in sending me back to England. I was dispatched accordingly in the troopship use and landed a month later on Portsmouth Jetty. With my health irretrievably ruined, but with permission from a paternal government to spend the next nine months in attempting to improve it. I had neither kith nor kin in England, and was therefore as free as air. Or as free as an income of eleven shillings and sixpence a day will permit a man to be. Under such circumstances, I naturally gravitated to London. That great cesspool into which all the loungers and idlers of the empire are irresistibly drained. There I stayed for some time at a private hotel in the Strand, leading a comfortless, meaningless existence, and spending such money as I had considerably more freely than I ought. So alarming did the state of my finances become that I soon realized that I must either leave the metropolis and rusticate somewhere in the country, or that I must make a complete alteration in my style of living. Choosing the latter alternative, I began by making up my mind to leave the hotel, and to take up my quarters in some less pretentious and less expensive domicile. On the very day that I had come to this conclusion, I was standing at the Criterion Bar, when someone tapped me on the shoulder, and turning round, I recognized young Stamford, who had been a dresser under me at Bart's. The sight of a friendly face in the great wilderness of London is a pleasant thing indeed to a lonely man. In old days, Stamford had never been a particular crony of mine, but now I hailed him with enthusiasm, and he, in his turn, appeared to be delighted to see me. In the exuberance of my joy, I asked him to lunch with me at the Holborn, and we started off together in a hansom. Whatever have you been doing with yourself, Watson? He asked in undisguised wonder, as we rattled through the crowded London streets, "You're as thin as a lath and as brown as a nut. I gave him a short sketch of my adventures, and had hardly concluded it. By the time that we reached our destination, poor devil, he said commiseratingly, after he had listened to my misfortunes. What are you up to now? Looking for lodgings, I answered, trying to solve the problem as to whether it is possible to get comfortable rooms at a reasonable price. That's a strange thing, remarked my companion. You are the second man today that has used that expression to me. And who was the first, I asked a fellow who's working at the chemical laboratory up at the hospital. He was bemoaning himself this morning because he could not get someone to go halves with him in some nice rooms which he had found, and which were too much for his purse. By Jove, I cried, if he really wants someone to share the rooms and the expense, I'm the very man for him. I should prefer having a partner to being alone. Young Stamford looked rather strangely at me over his wine glass. You don't know Sherlock Holmes yet, he said. Perhaps you would not care for him as a constant companion. Why, what is there against him? Oh, I didn't say there was anything against him. He's a little queer in his ideas, an enthusiast in some branches of science. As far as I know, he's a decent fellow enough. A medical student, I suppose, said I. No, I have no idea what he intends to go in for. I believe he's well up in anatomy. And he's a first-class chemist, but as far as I know, he's never taken out any systematic medical classes. His studies are very desultory and eccentric, but he's amassed a lot of -of out-of-the-way knowledge which would astonish his professors. Did you never ask him what he was going in for? I asked. No, he's not a man that is easy to draw out. Though he can be communicative enough when the fancy seizes him. I should like to meet him, I said. If I'm to lodge with anyone, I should prefer a man of studious and quiet habits. I'm not strong enough yet to stand much noise or excitement. I had enough of both in Afghanistan to last me for the remainder of my natural existence. How could I meet this friend of yours? He is sure to be at the laboratory, returned my companion. He either avoids the place for weeks or else he works there from morning to night. If you like, we shall drive round together after luncheon. Certainly, I answered and the conversation drifted away into other channels. As we made our way to the hospital after leaving the Holborn, Stamford gave me a few more particulars about the gentleman whom I proposed to take as a fellow lodger. You mustn't blame me if you don't get on with him, he said. I know nothing more of him than I've learned from meeting him occasionally in the laboratory. You proposed this arrangement, so you must not hold me responsible. If we don't get on, it will be easy to part company, I answered. It seems to me, Stamford, I added, looking hard at my companion, that you have some reason for washing your hands of the matter. Is this fellow's temper so formidable? Or what is it? Don't be mealy-mouthed about it. It is not easy to express the inexpressible, he answered with a laugh. Holmes is a little too scientific for my tastes. It approaches to cold-bloodedness. I could imagine is giving a friend a little pinch of the latest vegetable alkaloid. Not out of malevolence, you understand, but simply out of a spirit of inquiry in order to have an accurate idea of the effects. To do him justice, I think that he would take it himself with the same readiness. He appears to have a passion for definite and exact knowledge. Very right, too. Yes, but it may be pushed to excess, When it comes to beating the subjects in the dissecting rooms with a stick, it is certainly taking rather a bizarre shape. Beating the subjects? Yes, to verify how far bruises may be produced after death. I saw him at it with my own eyes. And yet you say he's not a medical student. No, heavens knows what the objects of his studies are. But here we are, and you must form your own impressions about him. As he spoke, we turned down a narrow lane and passed through a small side door, which opened into a wing of the great hospital. It was familiar ground to me, and I needed no guiding as we ascended the bleak stone staircase and made our way down the long corridor with its vista of whitewashed wall and dun-colored doors. Near the further end, a low-arched passage branched away from it and led to the chemical laboratory. This was a lofty chamber lined and littered with countless bottles broad low tables were scattered about which bristled with retorts test tubes and little bunsen lamps with their blue flickering flames there was only one student in the room he was bending over a distant table absorbed in his work at the sound of our steps he glanced round and sprang to his feet with a cry of pleasure i've found it i've found it he shouted to my companion running towards us with a test tube in his hand. I have found a reagent which is precipitated by hemoglobin and by nothing else. Had he discovered a gold mine, greater delight could not have shown upon his features. Dr. Watson? Mr. Sherlock Holmes, said Stamford, introducing us. How are you? He said cordially, gripping my hand with a strength for which I should hardly have given him credit. You've been in Afghanistan, I perceive. How on earth did you know that? Asked in astonishment. Never mind, said he, chuckling to himself. The question now is about hemoglobin. No doubt you see the significance of this discovery of mine. It is interesting chemically, no doubt, I answered. But practically? Why, man, it is the most practical medical legal discovery for years. Don't you see that it gives us an infallible test for blood stains? Come over here now. He seized me by the coat sleeve in his eagerness and drew me over to the table at which he had been working. "'Let us have some fresh blood,' he said, digging a long bodkin into his finger and drawing off the resulting drop of blood in a chemical pipette. "'Now I add this small quantity of blood to a liter of water. You perceive that the resulting mixture has the appearance of pure water. Their proportion of blood cannot be more than one in a million. I have no doubt, however, that we shall be able to obtain the characteristic reaction.' As he spoke, he threw into the vessel a few white crystals and then added some drops of a transparent fluid. In an instant, the contents assumed a dull mahogany color and a brownish dust was precipitated to the bottom of the glassy jar. Aha, he cried, clapping his hands and looking as delighted as a child with a new toy. What do you think of that? It seems to be a very delicate test, I remarked. Beautiful, beautiful. The old guacam test was very clumsy and uncertain. So was the microscopic examination for blood corpuscles. The latter is valueless if the stains are a few hours old. Now, this appears to act as well whether the blood is old or new. Had this test been invented, there were hundreds of men now walking the earth who would long ago have paid the penalty of their crimes. Indeed, I murmured. Criminal cases are continually hinging upon that one point, A man is suspected of a crime months, perhaps, after it has been committed. His linen or clothes are examined and brownish stains discovered upon them. Are they blood stains or mud stains or rust stains or fruit stains or what are they? That is a question which has puzzled many an expert, and why? Because there was no reliable test. Now we have the Sherlock Holmes test and there will no longer be any difficulty. His eyes fairly glittered as he spoke. And he put his hand over his heart and bowed as if to some applauding crowd conjured up by his imagination. "'You are to be congratulated,' I remarked, considerably surprised at his enthusiasm. "'There was the case of von Bischoff at Frankfurt last year. "'He would certainly have been hung had this test been in existence. "'Then there was Mason of Bradford, and the notorious Mueller and Lafarve of Montpellier, "'and Samson of New Orleans.' "'I could name a score of cases in which it would have been decisive.' "'You seem to be a walking calendar of crime,' said Stamford with a laugh. "'You might start a paper on those lines. "'Call it the police news of the past. "'Very interesting reading it might be made, too,' remarked Sherlock Holmes, "'sticking a small piece of plaster over the prick on his finger. "'I have to be careful,' he continued, turning to me with a smile, "'for I dabble with poisons a good deal.' He held out his hand as he spoke, and I noticed that it was all mottled over with similar pieces of plaster, and discolored with strong acids. "'We came here on business,' said Stamford, sitting down on a high three-legged stool, and pushing another one in my direction with his foot. "'My friend here wants to take diggings, and as you were complaining that you could get no one to go halves with you, I thought that I'd better bring you together.' Sherlock Holmes seemed delighted at the idea of sharing rooms with me. I have my eye on a suite in Baker Street, he said, which would suit us down to the ground. You don't mind the smell of strong tobacco, I hope. I always smoke ships myself, I answered. That's good enough. I generally have chemicals about and occasionally do experiments. Would that annoy you? By no means. Let me see, what are my other shortcomings? I get in the dumps at times and don't open my mouth for days on end. You must not think I'm sulky when I do that. Just let me alone, and I'll soon be right. What have you to confess now? It's just as well for two fellows to know the worst of one another before they begin to live together. I laughed at this cross-examination. I keep a bullpup, I said, and I object to Rose because my nerves are shaken, and I get up at all sorts of ungodly hours, and I'm extremely lazy. I have another set of vices when I'm well, but those are the principal ones at present. Do you include violin playing in your category of rows? He asked anxiously. It depends on the player, I answered. A well-played violin is a treat for the gods. A badly played one. Oh, that's all right, he cried with a merry laugh. I think we may consider the thing as settled. That is, if the rooms are agreeable to you. When shall we see them? Call for me here at noon tomorrow, and we'll go together and settle everything, he answered. All right, noon exactly, said I, shaking his hand. We left him working among his chemicals, and we walked together towards my hotel. By the way, I asked suddenly, stopping and turning upon Stamford, how the deuce did he know that I had come from Afghanistan? My companion smiled an enigmatic smile. That's just as little peculiarity, he said. A good many people have wanted to know how he finds things out. Oh, a mystery, is it? I cried, rubbing my hands. This is very piquant. I am much obliged to you for bringing us together. The proper study of mankind is man, you know. You must study him, then, Stamford said, as he bade me goodbye. You'll find him a naughty problem, though. I'll wager he learns more about you than you about him. Goodbye. Goodbye, I answered, and strolled on to my hotel, considerably interested in my new acquaintance. Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales. Be sure to come back next week for Melinda's journey to holding her own fairy tale in her hands, and to hear one of her favorite fairy tales.